do I have the traits, do I have the qualities to become a successful leader? I've asked myself this question and I know you have too. It can develop us, but it can also haunt us. There's so many different ways and we can look at this topic, this question. At the end of the day, we want to be successful leaders. So we've begun to uncover this question on this two-part series. I've invited Sam Sala and Travis Ravel back on the show to co-host this very important series on what an effective, successful leader looks like. Some of the answers might surprise you. Can't wait for you to listen in. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is A Call to Leadership. We were talking a little bit about politics before we went on air. And at the time of this recording, it's pre-election 2024. And we were talking about a little bit of the Republican Party. You've got some front runners. You've got Donald Trump on some level, DeSantis. And then who's the up and coming? I have no idea. So let's talk about that. From a leadership perspective, right? What we are doing is we are assessing their vision and whether or not we are buying into them as an individual. This is a really interesting place, political leadership. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting place because it like smashes so many of the normal dynamics that we see in business. Right. But there's a correlation to success and what we perceive as success. Because when we look at it from an academic perspective, we often say, we don't use the terminology, these are the characteristics that successful leaders have. We say that these are the characteristics that are closely associated with follower perceptions of successful leadership. You see that extra step yeah. there? Because we really can't say these are the exact traits and qualities that are always going to lead you to success. Right. But we can say followers tend to perceive these qualities as closely associated with leaders who they'd like to follow. Mm. So with these three people, just doing a little as an example, somebody listening is like, oh, this is going to get Juicy, oh. right? <laughs> Whether you agree with their politics or not, that's irrelevant. We're just talking about simply from the perceptions. What do you think the main perception is with the attraction to a Donald Trump as far as a constituency saying he has a vision for where I want to go? Well, he's speaking to people that I think don't feel like anybody else is speaking to them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is important because Bill Clinton, this is out of Bill Clinton's playbook way back when he was in the debates and when he was running for his first run election, he told the people that he feels their pain. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because no one else could feel their pain. They weren't seen. They couldn't be heard. Well, he was, he was against George Bush Sr. at the time, and he's a very diplomatic person and, you know, very out of touch from a common standpoint. Right. Yeah. George Bush Sr., former head of the CIA, yeah, yeah. wasn't right. going to be the kind of guy no. that's going to give you a bear touch and tell you, <laughs> right. tell you right. it's going to be all right. He was yeah. going to. Yeah. Check you out and make sure, you yeah. know, make check all the databases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, right, he understood the moment, if that makes sense, right? And I think that that's important for leaders to understand the moment to get a feel for what your team is needing, right? I mean, because I'm going to be honest with you, right? Like, you could throw any one three of us into any organization, and it doesn't mean just because we've been successful leaders in the past, we're going to be successful in that organization, right? We have to be able to understand what's the pulse of the employees, right? What's the pulse of my customers, right? What's the plus, excuse me, pulse of the stakeholders in this organization, right? Where is everybody at currently? Do they need a cheerleader, yeah. right? Do they need somebody to come in and say, you know what? This place is messed up, but we're going to fix it, right? Or is everything humming along and they just need somebody to come in and just continue to maintain the status quo? 
it's really important you say that. I want to hear what you have to say about the Sam. But to again, this isn't an, an endorsement <laughs> on any political candidate. But to say and to demonstrate, I will be your voice. I will communicate what you're thinking, what you're feeling from a broader scale. Like if there's issues in the company and you're afraid to say it because you are afraid for maybe you'll get fired or worse. Mm-hmm. And you say, you know what? We've got problems in our company. I know that's how you feel, right? You become their voice. What happens instantaneously? They're like, you have credibility. They want to follow you. Wow. This guy gets it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that level is, I think it's essential. And that's empathy. Mm -hmm. That's caring. Absolutely. And I think that's appropriate at any level. Mm -hmm. I mean, when Elon Musk says, hey, look, I know we got issues with this Cybertruck. You know, we haven't developed it. But let me tell you, what we're coming out with is going to be better than what we would have come out with. I care about how you feel about this. But here's why this is taking right. so long. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's what we talked about is like empathy. I think politically, though, people like echo chambers. So if someone's saying what they feel already, you know, they just, Sorry. I don't believe people sway. <laughs> right. The thing about politics, which cracks me up, which is different, I think, than business is that I can get up there and all day long, I can tell you everything you want to hear. But nobody likes to say, this is how we're going to do it. It doesn't exist. It, yeah, doesn't it exist, doesn't exist, right? It's just political theater, right? Surely. And so it's everybody wants those 10 second little, you know, quotes, right? Everything at the way the they talk, bite. sound bite. Here's my sound bite. Here's my sound bite. And when you listen to, and full disclosure, I didn't listen to the whole Republican thing last night, but I saw snippets of it, but they're all the same, right? People arguing with each other. I'm going to solve the border crisis. How? I wish they would each come and they each get, you know, 15 minutes to lay out their plan on a specific topic. It should be a business approach. Should be a business approach. <laughs> how we you know what I mean? Things. Right. Like this is it's what's your what, plan? What's your plan? Yeah. And show me everybody's plans and let me pick which plan I think has the highest likelihood of success. Right. right? But you don't get that. Right. And so I think as business owners, we don't get the ability to just have sound bites. Right. Like we actually have to get stuff done. But I think when you're explaining your vision, what's super important to do is something that Sam said. It's not my vision. It's the vision for the company. And here's where you fit into that vision. And here's why your role is so important. And this is why you need to do X, Y, and Z every single day, right? These mundane tasks that people do every single day, they need to know how that fits into the larger picture of the organization and what kind of impact that's making. Do you think it's Ramaswamy? is his last name nice. Vivek Ramaswamy yes I had to look it up so this guy is a business guy mm-hmm. and he's had to operate in a world where he's had to get results right of course Donald Trump was anyway. a business guy some might question if any of his real estate projects were actually profitable right has yet to be remained to be seen of course he said he doesn't have to pay taxes anymore because <laughs> of the losses he's taken which not necessarily what you want to hear from a business owner right mm-hmm. nonetheless Ramaswamy is a guy who has a great deal of success in business. Billion dollar company. I think he's still in his 30s. I want to say he's young. Maybe not in his 30s, but he was in his 30s when he became a billionaire, I believe. But to your point, right, it's that piece of, do I believe, and we can side note, sidetrack some of the politics stuff. Do I believe this person has what it takes to get me to the finish line? This is the question followers are asking. Do you have the qualities necessary to get me there? We know people in our own circles who have tremendous possibilities for leadership ability. But right now, in their current state, people don't necessarily believe that you can get us to the end zone, to the finish line. What are some of the behaviors or traits that you see that are exist in those in your camp and that you want to emulate yourself that give people the confidence 
that you're going to reach that vision successfully together. For me, with my leadership is allowing them to lead because I brought them on for a reason and for their ability and that ability to make an impact and make decisions without me coming up over their back, right? I happen to be very you know, lucky to have the leadership I have, right? This is the thing. It's never stopping, right? We're always learning. I seek out help. I seek out consultants. I seek out coaches, right? Leadership is not, and I think people really like miss this, right? Leadership, you don't wake up one day and become John Maxwell. You know what I mean? You didn't just wake up and it's all there, right? There's school, there's a process to becoming a leader and investing in yourself and learning from your leadership results or, you know, good or bad, right? And I think that traits are important, but action is is as much important, right? So being honest with yourself, like with me, I know I'm not a great operational leader, right? But I have a great operational leader. That's a partner, right? So, you know, I have my strengths. I'm a heavy visionary. I see the end goal, right? How we get there, let's all talk about it. So I don't know, Trey, I don't know what you would say, because I know we lead differently. You lead a C team, right? C-suite team, which you should be visionary when you're leading a C-suite team and allowing them to kind of handle the more day-to-day. I lead differently in different channels, right? Based on, I try to take a pulse of, of where my people are. And I've got a couple channels where there's very fresh, young people that are there. And so that's a different leadership style than if I'm leading a senior level team, right? So I have to be more hands-on. I have to explain a lot more than what normally you would. I can't just sit down and say, hey, here's the goals, go get it. And so you have to know your audience, right? You have to know the skill set of your audience. You have to know your teams. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to know your teams and you have to lead your teams, not by what your default leadership style is, because my default leadership style is not micromanaging. However, when you have young, fresh, new people, you have to micromanage. You have to let them show you that they have the skill sets necessary. Then you can get to a point to where you can define if it's a skill issue or if it's a will issue, but you have to make sure that your team knows how to perform their jobs at the highest possible level. And you do need to be more micromanaging that. And that's not a negative connotation. I think that's coaching though, in my opinion. I don't think it's micromanaging. Yeah. I mean, I think micromanaging is, Hey, I don't think you're doing a great job. So I don't think you're capable or I, your results have shown me you can. So I'm going to be on you and seeing every single thing you're doing. There's a difference between saying, in my opinion, Hey, I want to coach you up. So I'm going to be side by side with you. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I agree. And that's what I'm referring to. Right. When I say micromanaging, I mean, like I'm in your day to day details because if you're micromanaging they're not going to last very long well yeah there's there's a model it's situation leadership hershey and blanchard but they go from telling selling participating delegating yeah exactly so you know at this early stage it's a lot of telling it's a lot of telling it's a lot of telling and it's a lot of checking on results right so show me you can do it do it i want to see the results and as we continue to grow those channels the leadership style has to change with them, right? It's got to change with them. When they prove to you that they can do the job and they're effective, then it's becoming more performance-based. And so it's how can I make you better, right? And that's not day-to-day. That might not even be a week-to-week. That might be a month-to-month conversation, right? Or a quarter-to-quarter conversation. 
because you have to have time when you make small changes to see those changes, see them through to see what the results are. But when somebody's new, fresh, in a new position, you've got to change your leadership. And the thing that I think a lot of leaders fail at is you take a salesperson, they're new to your organization. And so you perform this leadership style, right? Where you're teaching them, you're coaching them, you're in their day to day. And then they get good, right? And two years later, you promoted them to a higher level position. Your leadership now has to go back to how it was in the beginning. You can't just treat this person as a veteran in that position. You have to go back to being in the details with them, making sure they're being successful. That's your job. Their success is, is heavily based on how you are developing them. And so it's a constant flow. That's huge, man. And I think that deserves just simmering there for just a moment and just letting that simmer because there's studies and statistics that show that over 70% of people who get a promotion feel as though they have been inadequately prepared or trained in that new role. So why do we give them so much of the telling early on? And then suddenly when we give them a promotion, we think, oh, you should just know this. Mm -hmm. It's a different role. It's a different role. And sometimes we make the mistake of moving someone from a role that they're an ace in into a role that we think, oh, well, if you're great at sales, you should be great at managing. But it happens every day. It happens every day. day. Yeah, because that's a lack of understanding of leadership in my opinion. Yeah. Right? And I think that, you know, that coaching pays tenfold. So I've seen hires happen and you just throw them into the fire. You're like, well, I'm not getting the results. You know, these guys they suck or they're this or that. And I was like, well, you have a skill that they have to do. Why don't you invest in them and they'll pay you tenfold. And that's how you not only create inclusiveness, you create buy-in from the people who work for you because you're side-by-side side with them. They become better skilled at their job and get you better results. I just think it's all just tied in with each other, right? It's realistically, you have to pour into your people. And I feel like if you stop doing that, you'll immediately correlate to the results, you know, your results diminishing. You made a good point about earlier. I'll make sure we cover it. Okay, so you were talking about pouring into your people. Earlier, you talked about it's not just important. It is important to pour new people, but it's also important to be poured into. Mm -hmm. I mean, you didn't talk about a whole lot. Just briefly, let's talk about this. How are we growing as leaders? You know, Who do we have around us? You talked about coaching and mentoring, and nobody wakes up all of a sudden, and they're a guru of leadership. So people have a responsibility. Leaders have a responsibility to continue to sit at the feet of those who have reached heights that they desire to reach. You know, how much time are we reinvesting in ourselves as leaders? Because, so, yeah, yeah, I think that as a leader, you always say you want your people like in their genius zone. So it's your job to recognize where their genius zone is at. Do you recognize where your genius zone is at? Huge question. You could have blinders on. and You could think, and I've seen it, I've put all these people in their genius zone, yet they're not successful. I'm not successful for whatever reason. And then you really comes back to your leadership causing your people to get worse. Right. And to me, I mean, I think consultants are invaluable. Coaches are invaluable in a lot of ways, because I think that, you know, if we're not constantly reevaluating ourselves as leaders, then we're not growing. And we just did this exercise. We sent it out to our group to do a genius assessment, which one of the, there's four parts that were sent out, but one part was send an email out to a dozen people and ask them, Hey, what is it that you think that I'm where I excel? You might get some surprising answers. Some answers might be where you expect in your wheelhouse. But the interesting part about it is maybe some people don't want to know for a number of reasons. Maybe they feel, hey, like could be pride. I may be in a position as a leader that I shouldn't be in. 
And then I've got to evaluate that. Maybe somebody else in my organization could be doing what I do better and I've got to let it go. I mean, how many times have you seen someone have a position of leadership and you know, man, this is just not going to end well. Yep, many times. <laughs> many times. Yeah. And no one's told them. Or if they've told them, they haven't told them a way that it sunk in, right? And so it's incumbent upon us as leaders to, like you said, we've got to know where our own blind spots are. Tell me. So get in front of those people who will be brutally honest with you. You know what causes the reevaluation? Results. Because you're going to drown and you're going to look up and how did I get here? And that's where you ask for a flotation device because you're drowning. And that <laughs> flotation device could be a consultant, could be a coach, could be you know, another mentor, right? We've all been there. No one's above it. We've all been in bad spots. But I think things that blind you from the real issues are pride, number one. Pride's a big one, but being honest with yourself on where you're at and why you haven't got the results. So that's a process. Like it gets, you literally have to be at the point of, I believe, completely broken down, especially if you're by yourself, right? To say, God, I need help. And that may not be, if you have a big ego and a bunch of pride, it might take a long time for you to get there. But when you're at that point, it's the rock bottom. It's where the growth happens. It's where the awakening happens. And I believe that's where the growth is, is there. Because when you realize, oh man. Well, one of the main major issues with pride and ego and arrogance is that it impedes the pathway to communication. Effective communication is necessary to exchange the kind of ideas that lead us forward to progress. Mm -hmm. So without that, when someone, when your own people, whether they be your employees, whether they be your peers or those who claim to be your mentors, cannot communicate with you for those reasons, then you're never going to know where your problems are. You will fail and you'll probably bring the whole ship down with you. You have to have the mindset that I have to create an environment that's safe enough and transparent and trustworthy enough that people can be honest. Of course, there's caveats to this, right? Because you have to make sure you lay some boundaries and some borders and what right. honesty means. Because this isn't something where we want. <laughs> but what I like to do in our organization is I like to make sure people know that they can, will, and I expect them to share when they see that I can be doing something better, different, that I could be helping them in a new way. Because it gives me the data I need. Sometimes we talk about it and maybe it's not the right way to go. But at least we're talking. And that's, I think, a part of the journey as a leader. Now, you have to have an organization that's built for that. So you have to start with some cultural changes. You have to start perhaps even with some personnel changes because you may have toxic and cancerous individuals in the organization that if you bring that type of openness to the organization, you're going to have even more issues because they're not really interested in your growth. Mm -hmm. They're not interested in your success. They're only interested in their own lives, possibly to the detriment and sabotage of your own organization. And you want those people out of your company anyway. Look, the easiest thing for anybody to do is just go create a survey monkey. Go to survey monkey, create a survey, send it out, have your team anonymously Anonymous. fill it out, send it in, get the results, have a hard gut check because you're going to see some stuff that you never thought possible. And then, right, if you're a leader, the next step is you're going to have a company meeting. You're going to bring up the issues that were addressed. You're going to not make excuses. You're going to own those responses, whether you believe in them or not. That's what your team thinks. So that's the reality. Right. And you're going to make changes, right? And if you can't do that, then you shouldn't be sitting in the seat that you're in right now. Plain and simple. Yeah. Right. And it will be either by your or just 
because you failed. And one thing Sam brought up, right, that he really believes in is he surrounds himself with people that he feels are more talented at him. But that should go beyond your business, right? So you should have a group of people that are more successful than you, right? You should hire, whether it's a business coach or a therapist or something, right? Like there are people out there that are really good at their jobs who can help make you better. You just have to go find those people. You have to submit to the fact that you don't know all the answers. You're not going to ever know all the answers. It's not your responsibility to know all the answers. But if you want to be better, it's not hard to get better. You just have to want it. And if you don't want it, it's all BS. And it's not weakness, by the way. It's not weakness. When we're talking about these things, here's the thing about what I love how Jim Collins phrased it in his, I think it was good to great, but he talked about the level five leader. He said the level five leader is a combination of two dynamics and they would seem opposing, but they're really highly compatible. He said, on the one hand, you have what you would expect of a leader, which is a professional will resolve. On the other hand, you have this personal humility and they work very well together when you have both of them in tandem, in harmony, that you can say, you know what, I've got the humility to know that I don't have all the answers. And that I always need to surround myself with people who can help me see my blind spots, help me to progress as a leader. At the same time, I'm not going to give up my professional will. I'm not going to give up my resolve to do what's right, to do what's effective, and to do what I've committed to do in growing the organization, the family, the community, the industry, whatever it is that I'm making commitments to. And I think when you put those two together, man, that's power. I agree. agree. It's good having you guys. Nice to be back. Well, my friend, I am so thrilled that you joined me on this episode of A Call to Leadership. And before you go to the next episode, especially if you're binge listening, take a moment. I would love to get your honest review right here on your screen. Your feedback is so important. It helps the podcast. It encourages me and it helps me. It helps me to give you more and more and more value. So I can't wait to read your review. I can't wait to be with you on the next episode. I'm Dr. Nate Sala. This is a call to leadership.